Bring it in. Read Option Pod back with a full house. Everybody, first Veto Friday pod in like two months, I think. I yeah, mean, your dude. college football picks record is still at four and eight. And we have three weeks left of the college football season. So That's so depressing. How did that happen, by the way? <laughs> what, we only three? have three games left. I I couldn't could not tell you, Scott. Um, it's crazy how fast it goes every single year, but that's kind of the nature of, uh, it's the nature, nature of college football. I think this, I mean, just the season, especially now with the extra game in the NFL, it's five games shorter than the regular season, in the NFL. So, I mean, we're talking about like a month plus a month and a half, cause it's an 18 week regular season. So it comes and it goes, um, college football on its head. The new playoff ranking came out, um, TCU cracking the top four George, it was at Georgia, Ohio state. Uh, Michigan and of course we have TCU there um, Clemson loses and Bama loses again first time I think since 2010 I saw that Bama is not technically mathematically but has been eliminated from the uh, college football playoff this early uh, so again careful one, I care about you I mean they're two, gonna find a way uh, they are currently third when it comes to uh, getting a, I guess second when it comes to getting a bid to the SEC championship game. Um, but even still, the SEC record, LSU would have to drop two more games to close out the regular season for LSU not to get the bid to the uh, SEC championship game, which, hey, you know, crazier shit's happened. But uh, yeah, so Bama's done more than likely. Um, it's crazy where we're kind of standing right now, but college football does what college football does, which is absolute mayhem. Um, and not to be the Debbie Downer of it all, but I do look at college football right now and kind of feel like, look, it's it'll be really cool if an Oregon or UCLA cracks the top four, if TCU gets in there, all that will be great. But there's clearly one and a half really, really good team. Um, I would put Ohio State in there too. Two really good teams. Michigan, I, I don't think is nearly as good as they were last year, but they also had the easiest out of conference schedule I think I've ever seen. So it seems like it's Ohio State and it's Georgia, and that's going to be the national championship. So it's been a fun ride, but we're going to kind of end up in the same place as usual with two of the regular guys that are battling it for the uh, for the championship trophy. That being said, how is everybody? It's great to have everybody back. Great to have Vito back on the pod. Feels like it's been. It's been a few weeks since we had you yeah, on, man. No, it's been wild. Been traveling a lot more than even usual. So, um, no, it's it's been a crazy sports world in the last couple of weeks, especially with the NFL. Like this seems to be this is the point in the season where we're right. What week are we in now? Nine. Uh, uh, going 10, into my week friend. ten. Week ten. Yeah, yeah. So we're going into week ten now, and it's, this is the point where. I think to a lot of teams back in history, Bill Belichick talks about it all the time. His first Super Bowl team at the Patriots in 2001, they were five and five. Like a lot of teams, right. That, that make a dynasty run. Like even, even, I don't know what some of the records were out there, but like, even I know the giants from the two times they won, they weren't, you know, killing it in the regular season halfway through. So just because your team might be even doesn't mean you're not going to be poised for a crazy run. It's all about who gets hot right now. So it's uh it's like the perfect time, um, you know, to get back on here and talk about this stuff. But, uh, 
Well, thanks and, to the patients. And to that point, can you ever remember a year where it took almost 10 weeks for us to figure out who's good in the NFL? Because I kind of feel like now I know at least who's real and who's fake. Oh, you have no idea. But at the same time, none of us and, do. And, and we'll get to what's supposed to be one of the best matchups of the week, Minnesota and Buffalo. But Josh Allen misses practice two straight days. Case Keenum took all the first team reps. They're supposed to be the quote unquote best oh, wow. team in football right now, which I think last week, I do think the uh, the Eagles kind of officially took over that mantle so far this season. Yeah. Um, but Kansas City's obviously up there. And I think, and I, what I said on Tuesday's pod was you have Kansas, you have Kansas City and Philly, 1A, 1B, however you want to split it up. And then a, the tiniest little drop off. And then right there is where Buffalo is. And then I think there's a whole bunch of teams in that mix underneath. And this was supposed to be the litmus test week, right? For a team like Minnesota, who's sitting at seven and one, can't take anything away from them. I went on my rant for the Eagles and everyone criticizing their schedule. You have to make the same argument for Minnesota and say, hey, it's hard to win in the NFL. The Bills just lost to the New York Jets. Um, And now it looks like Josh Allen's not going to play in this game. So we may walk away. The Vikings might win this weekend. And we also might sit there and go, who knows if Minnesota's any fucking good. They're a hard team to read because I was I went to that Eagles Vikings game and it wasn't even like there was no point the Vikings were even in the game. Yeah. Zero part of that game. And it looked like at that point they were not going to be, you know, they were going to be a above 500 team, maybe. But like now, the fact that they've only had one loss, it's to the Eagles and it was in dominant fashion. It's like, you know, this I would be surprised if these are still we talk about the Vikings and the Eagles have the best records when this whole season ends up. I think the Eagles still will in the NFC, but I think the Vikings may have a trail off. Um, you know, it's tough for Kirk Cousins to stay late savings time. Um, you know, and it gives him an extra hour. So that's good for him. He loves the early game. But I think as we get later into this year, it's going to be dark. He's not going to know what to do. He can't play under lights. That's just a fact. So I, I do think the vampire I can start to, to lose a little bit here. I do look <laughs> forward to the first Kirk Cousins playoff game. Because Correct me if I'm wrong. Has he ever started a playoff game? <laughs> Wasn't oh no, not for the Vikings. Yeah, I, I, he's he hasn't started wow. for the Vikings, and I don't think he ever because the one time Washington made the playoffs, it was the RG three year. Now they did yeah. make it a couple years later, so he might have one playoff start. But and am I correct? He was the one drafted right behind, like in the second round behind RG three. Right, I think he was like a fourth round pick. Maybe that was it. Fourth round, yeah. yeah but they were draft. the same. They were drafted the same year. But so he's RG3. got a one and three record in the playoffs. One and three. So he's oh wow, he's made the four playoff starts. So twenty thirteen, it was a wild card game. He lost to the Seahawks. Twenty sixteen, wild card game, lost to Green Bay. Oh, he had two in twenty twenty for the Vikings. Oh, beat New Orleans, know. lost to San Fran. That's wild. I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. I forgot twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, I think, this I think we all first up, game. Uh, he was three for ten. He came in when RG three. I think got hurt. The next one was. I mean, he's played pretty shitty in all these games. So this is going to be fun yeah. to see. Well, again, and we know what his track record is in primetime games, and the playoffs will be no different. But again, like this was supposed to be the Kirk Cousins affirmation game, and we haven't even started previewing the games, and we jumped into this without even realizing because we have a couple <laughs> of games we got to hit first, but. This was supposed to be the most interesting game. And now with Josh Allen getting hurt. So going back to the original point of just that, 
I, I thought I had a good grasp on it. And now the Josh Allen UCL injury, which is just devastating for, I think for entertainment value of the league right now, you wait for um, champions league. What do you, no, baby. All right. Uh, weird comment from Scott, but we get it. That's what Scott does. On this pod. Um, but yeah, so I just feel like we're sitting in this spot when it comes to uh, the NFL in general, where, we still don't really know who's good. We know who's bad, but even the bad teams will pull off a win. You know, like the Raiders are bad. The Panthers are bad. And both of those teams could easily win this week. So we're kind of sitting in this weird middle ground where it's like, all right, like at least we know the top three teams, but now one of the top three teams is missing their quarterback who might've very easily been the MVP of the season yeah. uh, before this week. Your point about the bad teams, like we thought the Bears was one of the worst teams out there. And now with Justin Fields taking off, it's like, oh, they're not – maybe their team is still bad, but their record is going to be better because they have Justin Fields. <laughs> in, the, in the last calendar year, the 2021 draft class of quarterbacks in the first round – and, hell, you can even throw Davis Mills in the mix if you want. But I think every single one of those quarterbacks at one point or another has taken over the mantle of best quarterback from that draft class. At the end of last season – it was Mac Jones coming into this season before any games were played. It was Trey Lance in the San Francisco offense starting off this season. It was Trevor Lawrence. And then Trevor Lawrence looked like shit. And then it was Zach Wilson. And now we're looking at Justin Fields and saying, Justin Fields is the best. So literally within the last 10 months, we've had all five of the quarterbacks draft in the first round in 2021 anointed as the quote unquote best quarterback, which goes to my longstanding theory when it comes to why sports media is the stupidest fucking thing ever, despite the fact that we all love it and we contribute to it ourselves here on this podcast, but that we need yeah. to wait. We need to pump the brakes 99.9% of the time on whatever take we have. We should always have that little thought bubble in the back of our brains going, Hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't rush to this quick judgment. Um, well, that's no fun. <laughs> but of course not. Of course not. That's not fun. You have to have a hard opinion. And no matter what happens, once you say it, you're stuck with it for the rest of your life. God forbid we use revisionist history to uh, educate ourselves. Um, that being said, this is an interesting slate of games because I can already tell by the way that these games are laid out and how the, the season has played out so far. There's going to be some games here that seem like no-brainers that are going to come back to bite us in the ass as my record continues to stand. Um, Vito, you you've submitted some picks on pods that you haven't been in before, but I will update everybody. Scotty commanding lead on everybody else. Um, Scott college football's record 22 and 15 Vito still four and eight. It's been a while since we've had your college football input. Uh, mm. And I'm sitting at 20, 30 and three. Uh, Scotty in the NFL, 72, 68, and six, four games above 500, which at this point is a huge win considering that even the Sharps in uh, Vegas are still fucking up picks this year. Uh, Vito, you're 22, 41, and three, and I'm 61, 78, and six. Ooh, just uh, eight more wins, Jeff. Come on, buddy. I'm, I'm trying, baby. I'm trying. Within uh, reach this week. Within reach, yeah. We'll see if it happens. Uh, leaving us overall, <laughs> Scotty, 93, 77, and eight. Uh, we had three uh, pushes last weekend alone. Last year, we had one total push in our entire season between college football and the NFL. This year, we have, up, we have nine for the entire season. Uh, wow. Vito, you are sitting at 26, 48, and three. And I am 81, 101, and 9. 
Uh, as again, as I said last year, the only one who picks every single game, because like rain, rain or shine, you're at least going to hear me every single Friday. Uh, but hey, we got a new week. There's new bets to be made. I will say I'm riding a bit of a heater on my personal betting account. Um, Ooh, careful. Hit, hit a couple of money line parlays. So we'll see if that can uh, if that can continue. And before we hop into our preview this week, a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Alliance Accounting. The heart of football season is here. The autumn wind is blowing. The leaves are turning different colors. And while you watch the seasons turn, you should turn to the team at Alliance Accounting for all your personal and business tax solutions. Alliance Accounting has all the tools and resources you need to be prepared for any season. Their dedicated and knowledgeable team will prepare your federal and state tax return while you prepare for your family football game. Enjoy your company Thanksgiving potluck while the Alliance team provides you with with the bookkeeping you need to maintain your company's financial organization and success. Alliance is here to help you. And with tax day just five months away, you don't want to get caught off guard like your Aunt Linda at Thanksgiving every year. Don't go cold turkey on your personal or business finances to end 2022. Turn over a new leaf this season with Alliance Accounting. Right now, you can get 10% off your first service with Alliance Accounting. Just tell them the Read Option Podcast sent you. So Read Option Podcast listeners, visit Alliance Accounting and their website at allianceacctng.com. That is allianceacctng.com today or check out their Instagram at Alliance underscore accounting and get that 10% off your first service at Alliance Accounting. Alliance Accounting with you every step of the way. It all starts tonight uh, when we're recording last night when y'all are listening. Falcons, Panthers, Thursday night. I was supposed to be driving up to Philly tonight and I was going to be more than happy to miss this game. Uh, I would go back and catch the highlights, but instead I'm going to torture myself and watch this game anyway. Falcons at four and five with the NFC South still in reach. The Panthers kind of rode the hot hand interim head coach wave a little bit, almost went two and one in their first three games under Steve Wilkes since firing Matt rule. Instead, they are now one in uh, one in three Um, Atlanta Falcons, two and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, I don't trust this Panthers team worth a lick. They went to Baker Mayfield at halftime, and Baker actually looked pretty good in the second half. But again, the Bengals pretty much put the foot off the gas for that game, so there's not too much to read. P.J. Walker is expected to be the starter coming back this week. How are we feeling coming into Thursday Night Football, Falcons-Panthers in Carolina? You know, I'm feeling good about the uh, – I'm feeling good about the Falcons, man. I do like Mariota still. I do think that the defense has shown me a lot more than I thought they had. And on the Panthers' side, there's just – to your point – so much has happened. When you change a coach, it's a big deal. When you still don't know and you've changed quarterbacks and for whatever reason, right, there's a lot of reasons one guy just gets cold, you want to sub him out and get the other guy in. But Baker did look better than, than um, you know, PJ did. So I think at this point, you look at the Falcons and think, yeah, it makes sense they're a favorite on the road right here. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually, to your point, I don't think this is going to be a super long highlight reel and a super long discussion on this game, but uh, I'm, I, I'm at least rooting for the Falcons, but I lived in North Carolina and that Panthers environment on, on a night game is pretty fun. So um, environment will be awesome, but I, I'm, I'm thinking Falcons are going to go in there and get it done. Yeah. Into the Bofa in Charlotte. How about that? A little inclement weather, weather tonight as the hurricane rolls up the coast. So 
Uh, expect it to be a sloppy game, but these are two of the teams who have some of the the uh, longest drives, uh, longest like pace of play uh, in the league. They're both near the bottom of the league in in terms of of uh, of rapidity, and, and so it's going to be hard to to have possessions, uh, hard to have the ball, uh, and plus both two both of these teams uh, like to run the ball, especially the Falcons and and the Panthers. We've seen in the last couple of weeks coming on with their running game after trading Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons as well, and I'm coming out of the gate hot, Jeff. Here's my prop bet of the week tonight is wow. the under at 41 and a half. All right, and we got an oh, under 41 and a half because of the weather. Um, now, these two teams did just play two weeks ago in the overtime thriller. G.J. Moore catches the touchdown pass on the Hail Mary, uh, and then because of the celebration penalty forces uh, – who? what was that? Was it Eddie Pinero? Yeah, the kicker. Eddie Pinero misses the extra point, forced it overtime. He misses another field goal. And then your boy, Vito young comes up with the win. Um, I'm taking Atlanta here. Sloppy game favors the team that can run the ball. This team has been able to run the ball against every defense that's played, including a team like the L.A. Rams, uh, including a team like the, Tampa, too. like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 49ers. Uh, a lot of good, stout defenses. And look, this team has played everybody close. The average margin of uh, victory and or loss, like just the average separation between win and loss for the Atlanta Falcons this year is less than five points. So keeping it close is what this team does. Um, They've won more. I mean, it's literally it's with the exception of the loss to Cincinnati and the win against San Francisco, everything else has been four points or less. So this team keeps every single game close. I think they're the better team. I think the sloppy weather, the Sunday night football helps Atlanta and look if, if we're talking about a team like Carolina that is flopping back and forth between quarterbacks I loved Baker and I still don't understand what how everything went so south um I think that's the Cleveland effect if I'm being perfectly honest yeah. um even the first quarterback to lead your team to a playoff win is still going to be damaged <laughs> by the Cleveland effect uh and uh, we talked about it last week Vita we're only a few weeks away from Deshaun Watson which is crazy to think about here too but that's we are going to be a change. Yeah. We're going to be crazy here. Um, Baker's not the same guy, and PJ Walker. Uh, I love the story, but when you're when your team has no clear identity, even between backup quarterbacks, that's a bad sign. Uh, Atlanta has something to fight for. Carolina doesn't. Carolina is far more inclined to lose more games. Not that they're going to actively try to lose games, but. Atlanta has more left on the table than Carolina does. And the human nature of that, I think, favors the Falcons. So I'm rolling with the Falcons. That puts all three of us on Atlanta on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Early morning on Sunday, starting off our first ever game in Germany. Uh, First ever game in Germany. Uh, The Seahawks and the Bucks. This is actually one of the – this is the first – international game this year that i'm excited to actually watch because these are two teams again playoff implications on the hold and i'm also i'm really curious to see if tampa bay can capitalize off the momentum of the comeback game there right it would feel very picturesque for tom brady to start off four and five but the fourth win comes they're on the brink of becoming three and six and basically getting completely eliminated from the playoff conversation and yet he comes up with that last second win to keep them in it, as you just said, Vito, five and five when they won their first Super Bowl in New England. And they're one win away from being at that same mark through 10 games in 2022. 
Uh, and the Seahawks have s- sort of become the darlings of the NFL. I love this Seahawks team. Scotty and I had a lengthy debate about it on Tuesday's pod. I love what they're doing with Geno Smith. I love Kenneth Walker. I was watching Dan Orlovsky kind of break down a lot of what they're doing. And so much of it comes from them playing under center, running these stretch handoffs, running bootlegs off of it, the play action, all of that stuff makes it incredibly difficult to predict uh, predict what this offense is going to do. And even for crazy athletic guys like Isaiah Simmons and, um, and Zayvon Collins, they're unable to really figure it out. Now, maybe a Levante David and Devin White use their brains a little more, but when everything's dressed up as the same thing, it's incredibly hard when your entire offensive line is running downhill, or, or not downhill, east to west, one direction, and then moving uphill, whether it's a handoff, giving guys like Kenneth Walker an opportunity to break something loose. I love the Seattle team, uh, but I want to hear what y'all think. Seattle, Tampa Bay, and who handles the trip overseas better? Because Tom Brady, we know, is affected at night. He does not play better at night at his older age, which sounds like a joke, but the stats actually back that up. Will he be affected with the jet lag? How are we feeling here? Seahawks, Bucks in Germany. Yeah, I, I think the travel thing is interesting because you also have a West Coast team, right? You have a team that played at Arizona mm-hmm. last week. It's not like they were on the East Coast state and went to London. So that's a big time change for them. Uh, Bucks is obviously a little closer. Yeah. And, and the thing with them, though, is that, to your point, Tom Brady doesn't travel well. It is a 9.30 a.m. game here, so there it is, like, afternoon, basically, um, which should help. But either way, that much of a travel distant difference, I don't know when um, – you know, I don't know when Seattle's getting there. But to your point, I love this offense. I love how they run. It reminds me of Mike Shanahan, right? It reminds me of Kyle Shanahan a little bit. It's the same style. I love Kenneth Walker. I've loved him for years. Like, I, I you know – Last year was talking about on the Heisman. I love them in the draft. I'm so glad he got an opportunity. It sucks how he did, but I love this run game. And to your point, Jeff, there's nothing more difficult than having the same thing. Like talk to a boxer about the fact that like, you can't tell when a punch is thrown, it looks the same, no matter what, even if they're doing other things, it's like, you know, in football, if you have the same formation every time, it's really difficult to diagnose what the hell's happening. And it's how you look silly. And for the bucks, They've had some silly moments on defense this year uh, and on offense, they've struggled. So, uh, you know, right now, I think the Bucks are favored. Is that correct? The Bucks are a two and a half point favorite right now in Germany. Yeah, man. You know, I, I think to your point, there's a propeller piece on, on the Tom Brady side, but my guts tell me to go with Seattle here just because of the fact that they played well. Um, it's a long way to travel, but I do think they can, uh, they can, Win or keep it close. Seattle is four and one against uh, in their last five against teams with a losing record. So they play bad teams well. Uh, too bad they're going to have to do it six thousand miles away in Munchen. <laughs> Tom Brady rules. Tommy Scrooge, yeah. It's one of those things where this is the first year that I've actually felt somewhat comfortable picking against Tom Brady. This is also hilarious because. These are the two quarterbacks I have in fantasy, and I benched Tom Brady for Geno Smith, which is a sentence in 2022 was I never thought I would say in my life. Wow. Um, But that's what we've seen so far. And look, this Seattle team is not going to be challenged by the wide receiving core of Tampa Bay. This Tampa Bay offense, I, I will chalk up the comeback win last week to Tom Brady. There is a disconnect. It's 
a huge sign. And I do believe in the human element and the momentum that gets built off of something like that. But then picking up everything and going across the seas, both teams are going to be playing at some sort of a disadvantage. Yes, I do know it's a, what, three-hour time difference that see extra time difference that Seattle's going to have to deal with in Munich compared to Tampa Bay. But Tampa Bay is not the same defense it's been. Um, and I don't think we can take the what they did against the Rams and really say, like, oh, no, they figured it out. And what the Seahawks offense is doing is incredibly difficult to defend. They make everybody on your defense move one direction or the other. And they decide we're either going to pull it or run. We're either going to be run to pass or pass to run. And they've been flip-flopping it back and forth to an extent that the offensive line's doing the same thing every single time. And if you are a Levante David, Devin White, if the second that you are hesitant to follow the flow, Kenneth Walker is getting by you. And the second that you're overzealous and overstep and meet Kenneth Walker at the line of scrimmage and only to realize he doesn't have the ball because, you know, Geno Smith pulled it and is now bootlegging to the right. And you got Will Disley dragging across from the other side, wide open for a 15-yard game. This deep, this offense just keeps you on its heels constantly. And I'll say this too, that defense for Seattle's got a bunch of young guys. And the youth are able to travel across seas a lot easier than some of the old guys that you'll see there on Tampa Bay. So uh, I'm going to say that that counts as a net zero in terms of the travel. I'm going to take the Seahawks here. Uh, I think they roll, and I think they win by at least a touchdown. I think the Seahawks are for real, and this is going to be the game. that, If there are any doubters out there, this is the one that will change your mind. All right, next up, Minnesota and Buffalo. We started talking about this game earlier uh, to open up the podcast. This was supposed to be the game of the week. This is supposed to be the most interesting game. Seven to one Minnesota, six and two Buffalo, despite the fact this line opened up, which is funny. If you just put the records up there, right? Seven to one, six and two, and the six to two teams at home, this line opened up at 11 and a half. Um, of course, the most important note of this game is it's looking less and less likely that Josh Allen is going to play in this game. More importantly than that, we're talking about a UCL injury um, that he heard. There was a moment in that game against the Jets last week that they zoomed in and he was holding his elbow and it looked like he was not comfortable, only to fire the longest pass in the NFL, I think in like the last five years, uh, as the Hail Mary against the Jets, which, by the way, it traveled 70 yards in the air. He threw it from his own 10 it hit Stefan Diggs in stride, but Sauce Gardner was all over him. Um, 70 yards downfield. It hit him in the chest at the 20-yard line, which means it probably would have landed at about the four, about the 16-yard uh, uh, line. So we'll chalk mm-hmm. that up to like a casual 74-yard throw with a messed up UCL. However, if his UCL actually is in jeopardy of him not being able to throw or play, this completely changes who the Buffalo Bills are. And I know Case Keenum led a team to the NFC Championship game, the team he's playing this week, only to get smacked by the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017. Um, there he is. <laughs> you know, just, you know, always got to remind every, remind everybody. But, but but it was with – he threw that pass to Stephon Diggs that week earlier, the, the, the what, the miracle in, in – Yes, he in did, the miracle in Minneapolis, yep. So, Absolutely. Like, and he's with Stephon Diggs again. So, so this is interesting. This is it, interesting. It's interesting. And the thing is, too, just because Josh Allen hasn't practiced doesn't mean he's not going to play. But look, I mean, and we don't even 
talk about the game here, just asking both of you guys this individually. Like, if you have a quarterback on your team, you know, I mean, one of us has a quarterback in the MVP conversation, so I guess I should be the one to answer. But uh, between the three of us, if your quarterback <laughs> is considered to be the best quarterback in the NFL and you hear about a UCL injury, you're sitting at six and two, but you have Miami at six and three and the Jets at six and two right on your heels. Are you pushing this? Because you have to win games. It, to me, it feels like in the last dance, you know, when they were talking about Jordan and his foot injury and limiting the time, I said, well, you know, you take a pill and one out of 10 hurts, you know, would you, why, one out of 10 kills you, but the other nine, like hurt, had, solve your headache, what, would you take it? And MJ's response is like, depends how bad the fucking headache is, you know, yeah. like basically like how bad do they need to play him and how bad does he want to play? You know, he wants to play, but that that's, he's going to be like Jordan in the competitor factor. But what I do think is the difference is that in this you just need to make it to the dance. Like, yes, it would be great to have the first round or the first overall pick. You get a buy, you get all that stuff. But if, if you're in the playoffs as the seventh seed with Josh Allen, you take that any day than being the one seed without him. And, and I don't, you know, I don't know how this looks. I don't know what that recovery looks like. I don't even know if that's, I don't, I have no idea about a, I didn't even know that was a ligament until you told me. Okay. Let's just, the UCL, not, not the UCL is essentially the ACL of the elbow. Yeah. So that's not great. And uh, I, I think the key is I would rest if he can come back later this year and it will improve his chances later. I would rest him for however long you need to, because he is an MJ type player for a franchise. I'm not comparing him to MJ in terms of like global, like MJ's MJ, but what he's done to that franchise, he's going to be an MVP type player. You don't risk that guy in his career over, you know, winning a division. You know, if he's in the playoff stretch, you push it, but not now. I, I tend to be with you too because look, uh, look, we've seen the the severity of ACL injuries, and I, even with advanced medicine, they kid, guys are uh, kids are getting back quicker. Um, but a UCL injury, Jeff, you've heard the term before, and it's been thrown around since uh, since this news came out. It might require Tommy John, which for all the advancement in medical uh, technology is still like a year recovery. Uh, uh, we see a lot in baseball players, pitchers come back from it and and are often stronger and, and better than they were before. But like but a lot of times 16, they aren't too. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a real crapshoot. And uh, and I, I, I'm with you, Vito. I don't think you you can push it at this juncture, even though we're over the halfway point. But um, well, and add this to the measure, too. He signed his extension in the summer going into 2021. That extension kicks in after this season. So he's under contract, including this season, six more years to the tune of $258 million with $150 million guaranteed and an average annual salary of $43 million per season. It's a big investment. That is a <laughs> massive cap hit. And I think, Vito, you said it perfectly. All you got to do is get yourself into the dents. We saw what Joe Burrow did getting himself to Cincinnati, right? And getting them into the playoffs and the run that they went on. They knock out the one seed in Tennessee. They win the miracle game against uh, Kansas City and they find themselves in the Super Bowl. However, every game he plays, if this injury is close, and this is where I would use a different sports analogy and say, look at Kevin Durant. 
Kevin Durant in the 2018-2019 season against Kawhi Leonard, right? And the and the he tweaked his Achilles. He tried to push it. The Achilles popped in Game Three of the of the uh, NBA Finals, and he missed an entire year. And for Brooklyn, obviously that sucked because they went out and signed him that offseason anyway. But the NFL is one of, is a uniquely different than the MLB and the NBA in that when you have a chance and you have a roster and you look at the guys that they've signed and the guys that they're going to have to start paying, the Ed Olivers, who's been a game wrecker for them, the Greg Rousseau, who's been really good for them. Yes, they went out and got you know Von Miller, but how many more elite Von Miller years are you going to get? We thought we were out of elite Von Miller years. And you thought we were out. I knew we were still here. We got you four did. more, baby. Most people thought that Von Miller was totally done with true. his elite years, and yet here we stand anyway. Yeah. So it's a weird, it's a weird situation. I would expect, based off of the history in the NFL, that we see Josh Allen again this season. But my fear, as someone who is a big Josh Allen fan, is that it will affect his long term. And I say this all the time in sports, right? You'll trade the next five years for one now, right? I'll gladly pay you Wednesday for a hamburger today, right? Like I, I, I will take that ten times out of ten, but. It, yeah. It's scary for someone who makes his living off of physical contact and elite arm strength to hear something like a UCL. All that being said, Buffalo's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I, for one, am not a full-blown believer in the Vikings, and the Vikings still have to deal with the best defense that they're going to play all season, despite the injuries yet that they have in the secondary. So, Buffalo's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. How do we feel, Scotty? We'll start with you. I'm going Vikings, uh, and it's not for the fact that that Josh Allen's not in. I just didn't like the way that they conducted that game last week uh, against the New York Jets, who are my uh, ATS darlings this year, by the way. I might have to get a Jets jersey. Shout out to Gordy, a loyal listener by the way, of the pod, Vito, who's a Jets you, fan. Vito, you haven't been on the pod for this. Uh, Scotty has picked the Jets seven out of nine games and has gone six and one. Six and one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's J-E-T-S, baby. Thing I've heard I, I, might sucks. Even, I might even have that stat wrong because the Jets have played what? The Jets are six and three right now. So you've picked them, I think, eight out of nine games, and I think you've gone seven and one. Yeah. J-E-T-S, baby. <laughs> uh, so look here. National anthem, Scotty's gonna be like, yeah, no, home of the Jets, like every time. Gang <laughs> Green, but eight, eight out of it. nine games, Scotty has has picked the Jets. On unreal, unreal. <laughs> it's a great stretch. Uh, look, so for Buffalo, if you keep Josh Allen in, to me that means one of uh, or the most likely thing is that they're going to be one dimensional on offense. You're not going to ask him to do the thing that makes that offense explosive and and throw deep. You're going to have a lot of quarterback design runs, which, by the way, uh, Josh Allen is a cheat code at, no doubt. Uh, we saw how good he was last week, 86 yards on the ground with two touchdowns, including a, a, a long touchdown run. Uh, but it makes it more one-dimensional, and their strength is not running the ball, even with Devin Singletary, who's been – Better, but not great out of out of the backfield. We're going to have to rely on Naeem Hines a lot this week, I think, with some of the shorter game passes uh, if if Josh Allen is in. Case Keenum is in, now we're talking a different story because you can kind of let him air the ball out a little bit more. But I still like the the matchup for the uh, 
on offense for for the Vikings, where you get Justin Jefferson and uh, even a banged up Adam Thielen running through that secondary KJ Osborne, and then TJ Hawkinson, who was a weapon last week, being able to go out there and get 90 plus yards in his first game. Uh, I, I think you're going to see more of the same, even though he's going to have Matt Milano covering him. Uh, and even still, that just takes one guy away from from a wide receiver that can get covered. I like Kirk Cousins at 130. I like that the public is still uh, taking the Bills, and I'm going to go Vikings to fade it. Yeah, I, for me, I, I don't think – what I think this will do is make them forced to be more balanced, right? The, the Bills are not a balanced team. A lot of their runs come from Josh Allen. When I say balanced, I mean – well, we talked about the Seahawks. You're going to need to run and pass at a similar formations, and they do a lot of shotgun. But my point is that, like, what I think is explosive. Works, well, yeah, it's it's on the explosive side. My point is, like, stick to the run in the fourth quarter. You're going to have to do that. I'm excited to see what they do. Now, I agree with you. I think the Vikings. Here's the thing about the Vikings offense: you have elite talent, and you're going up against no offense to the Bills secondary. But they have not performed as well as they did last year. When you look at PFF, their top guys number the corners 58 out of 113. Uh, oh, they're banged all their guys up, yeah. in the 50s or 60s. Now, I love jo- Jordan Boyer, the safe. Like, he's actually played damn well. Um, but what I see is that they're going to have their chances in the secondary to air it out. I do like the Vikings matchups there. But, you know, it all comes down to the game time. It's 1 o'clock. Kirk Cousins is going to be on. It's really difficult to beat him when it, the light's still on. So, you know, does he get affected by time change? We'll see. You know, Vikings are also an hour behind going to uh, going to Buffalo. But it's a close flight. Let me tell you what. I think I'm going Vikings. But I think I do think – well, what's the spread here, Jeff? Let me ask that. Buffalo's three and, three and a half. half. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go Minnesota as well. And I, I don't think it matters who starts. I do like what the balance is going to bring to Buffalo. And I think this will be close. And uh, I would say if it's two and a half, I might go Buffalo. But if it's three and a half, I'm, I'm going to go Minnesota. So far, I'm 0-1 on backup quarterbacks playing that I was very confident in because I was very wrong about Cooper Rush. I don't think I'm going to go 0-2. I think Case Keenum is not going to be able to do enough to beat the Vikings. And I think it's looking more and more. And look, this is the kind of shit that Vegas knows better than we do. This is Mm. the kind of shit that someone in Vegas knows somebody who knows somebody in the organization is getting pipelined information from the organization itself. And it's not like, you know, like, inside trading type shit. It's just those people are connected and they get their information. There's a reason why lines move different ways than we know. And it's not because of insider trading. It's because they know people. And I think Hayes Keenum's had a great career and I know he's got a good, you know, system around him, but let's be honest. Like Gabe Davis was this guy who had that crazy stretch at the end of last year. And everyone talked about, Oh, Gabe Davis is going to take this big jump. Gabe Davis has made some awesome plays this year. He's big plays or he's nothing. He's Mm -hmm. a little Deshaun Jackson in that kind of way where he's going to hit a big home run or he's going to give you pretty much nothing. Mm -hmm. Gabe Davis is not going to help Case Keenum be successful. Minnesota knows that Stephon Diggs is the guy they got to worry about. Mm -hmm. There'll be checkdowns to, you know, Naheem Hines now in, in, uh, in Buffalo and, to Devin Singletary and to Dawson Knox, but the guys that Buffalo is going to need to push the ball down the field are not going to be there. And I think Minnesota is a really good football team. I don't think they're great. 
I don't think they're a top five team even whenever with Josh, if Josh Allen's on Buffalo, I think they're right on that outside six, seven, right in that ballpark. And I think the drop off because that offense is so Josh Allen centric, I'm taking Minnesota. I think Minnesota wins outright outright. And I'll probably sprinkle some on the Minnesota money line as well. I like um, that. Can I, can I ask you guys one question though? Sure. Cause this is an interesting thing. Who would you rather have at this point today? As your number two receiver, Adam Thielen or Gabe Davis? Adam Thielen. Well, because Thielen's, of what Thielen's battling Gabe, injuries right now, too. Yeah. But if you're if you're giving Gabe, me both healthy, I'm taking yeah. Thielen. I'm taking I'm yeah. taking Thielen. It's Gabe Davis doesn't open up what for Stefan Diggs, <clears throat> what Adam Thielen can can open up for Justin Jefferson. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been thinking about this because I like Gabe Davis as a number two. But the thing is, Adam Thielen's been so dependable for so long, it's really hard to go away from that. And to your point, I don't think Thielen's the benchmark. I don't think Gabe Davis has passed it yet. And that's no. what I'm trying to get at. Well, and, and I agree. I think Thielen has, has accomplished far more than Gabe Davis has uh, in his career. But it's also interesting to note here, both uh, the Vikings secondary is not good. They're, they're, they can pressure the quarterbacks. Adarius Smith's having an unreal season. They're really good against the run but they're bad against the secondary. And when they have a mobile quarterback, which is why this line was as big as it was when it first opened up, when it was Josh Allen, mobile quarterback, like what we saw when they played Jalen Hurts, they got the shit pumped out of them. It's why Justin <laughs> Fields, before Justin Fields was even that good this season, played Minnesota to a one-score game. Minnesota has won every single game that they've won this year, other than the Green Bay in week one, has been a one-score game. So Minnesota's not beating the shit out of teams. Every single the, – the largest margin of victory other than Green Bay is an eight-point win. So literally everything else has been uh, – That was against the Lions, right? <laughs> no, that one was against Chicago. Um, oh. But that's kind of where we stand. But at the same time, Buffalo's biggest weekend re- weakness right now is in the secondary. Now, Tredavious White is back, which helps them a little bit. He's, he's, okay, com- he's coming off of injury. And there's, but both of their starting safeties are out and they go out and make the trade for Dean Marlowe to bring him back. Shout out to JMU Dukes. But again, the top half of that secondary is going to get, is going to be vulnerable. And KJ Osborne is also, if Adam Thielen is banged up, he's a really good third option. And don't forget Dallas Goddard or not Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, also Mm -hmm. a member of the Minnesota Vikings. Now I'm taking Minnesota. All right, let's move on here. That's the game. We're going to spend the most amount of time, time on for sure just given the uh, Josh Allen of it all. Um, Next up, another pair of NFC North teams, or talking about the NFC North, let's talk about a pair of NFC NFC North teams, the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. The Bears, a really fun team, man. Really, really fun team. Damn near beat the Lions last week. Who would have thought that that would have been a shootout? Uh, Definitely not me. Chicago, three and six, going up against the Lions. And the Bears are three-point favorites at home at Soldier Field, which is kind of a dumpster fire of a, of a field surface. Um, but Chicago's going up against a bad defense in Detroit. And, and who knows, maybe the bye week for Detroit helped them get their defense figured out. I don't think that's the case. I think Green Bay is just that bad. But Chicago is a really fun offensive team. And the Lions, when they're right, has also been a very, very fun offensive team. I think this is going to be a fun game. I don't think it's – it doesn't mean a whole lot, but I think it's going to be one of those games that we look at that's like down to the last kick kind of games. And it's like the red zone game where you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that game was kind of fun, but 
it doesn't really mean anything. So we're at the point of the season that no one cares. I think this is just going to be a fun, wild game. Chicago minus three at home. Vito, you're chomping at the bits. I can tell. Go ahead and give us your read here on this game. If this was prime time, this would be a tie. Let me tell you what. This has the makings of a tie. We're going to have bad weather. We're going to have Chicago, Detroit, outside, Soldier Field, Veterans Weekend, baby. Shout this out is football. That's that's true. Soldier Day. Field on Veterans Day weekend. Dude, let me tell you what. Chicago is going to come out there and do great, but I believe in Dan Campbell. I believe in what they have. Malcolm Rodriguez, we saw all offseason on hard knocks. Him, Justin Fields, can he bring him down when they're trying to run? Is he going to spy him? Who are they going to put? This is going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to this way more than some of the games that actually have good records in them. I tell you what, I think this is a tie. I'm going to go with the Lions because I'm I, – can I can I put an extra prop bet down? If This, this can be tie, your prop bet if you want it to be. You can – I don't even know the what odds the odds are. are. The odds I think will probably be like, like 50 to 1 yeah. for it to be so a Jack tie. Parker's gonna, on it. I'm going to bet that this is a tie. And what I'm going to ask the boys is that if this happens, we'll talk about what the reward is. But if this goes down – and it's a tie, I'm asking for an extra five wins on my record. I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if we can do that either, but I'm going to, I'm going to petition. It could be denied and it's fair if it's denied, but this is a crazy one. So I'm going to throw it out there. We'll see if it happens. Then we can discuss, but I'll tell you what, if you, if you hit, if you hit that, if this game actually ties, Scotty and I will come up with something 100% worthwhile. Okay, that's all I need to hear. There will there will be a reward in addition to calling this one right. I can't just for the sanctity of the records. You're the right. Fact that we I keep the records up. We can't we can't fudge around with that. But there will be a reward that uh, is warranted based off of a call that big. If this is going to be your prop bet. Oh yeah. So I'll stick with that. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm going to Detroit just because of a tie. But goddamn, Justin Fields is going to have another hundred yard rushing game. <laughs> I, I think you're right, Vito. Uh, not only that, but the the entire Bears offense for this to go into overtime right now. Um, look at it uh, right now; it's uh, on Barstool, I believe, uh, plus fourteen hundred to go into overtime. I would hit that so to go hard. into overtime. To go into overtime. What is it? Do they not have a tie available? I, I'm still uh, Zach is still looking for the tie. There uh, has to be like an alt. There has to be like one of the alternate spread kind of things. It's a three-way sp- three it. spread for the whole game. So it says each team and then tie. But it usually that's soccer style. So you have to go into like, will it go to overtime? I've bet on this before. You have to like and bar stool, you have to go look at that, that whole thing. It's a three-way like spread, basically. Yeah. But wow. Uh well, I'll I'll give my while we have Zach working on uh on, on that. Uh, I'll give my two cents on this. Um, I think Chicago's offense is good. And I think Chase Claypool, and I know he didn't put up the stats, um, but you could tell even on the last play last week against Miami when it was the most blatant pass interference call that never got called, um, other than maybe that Saints-Rams Saints uh, game from a couple <laughs> of years ago. Um, yeah. But it's one of the most blatant calls that I've I, I, that has never been called. Um, they should have arguably won that game against Miami. And the Bears' defense isn't good, but guess what? The Lions isn't either. And Chase Claypool definitely at least garners enough attention from back-end secondaries, from defensive coordinators to worry about him. And Darnell Mooney's a good receiver. He's like a number two kind of guy. 
but you at least have two like B plus wide receivers in Mooney and, and Chase Claypool, which is what I would call them both, which means yeah. your top two wide receivers are B plus on average, which I think actually helps you out a lot. Uh, the Lions, look, the Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, both of them have been banged up. Amon Ross St. Brown's been banged up. The offensive line has uh, has continued to play pretty well, but is not quite the top five unit they were through the first four or five weeks of the season. I think the Lions are going to go score for score. I just think it's going to be an exciting game. Because of that, I should take Detroit to cover the spread. But I'm I'm kind of starting to be a believer here in the dynamics that the dynamics of Justin Fields. And I'm going to take Chicago. That's I'm with you, Jeff. You're with I'm, me, Scotty. I'm 100 with you. Yeah, because the the strength of the Bears. Defense is the run. Their secondary has gotten a lot better over the last. Well, it should uh, be noted that a lot of the stats are skewed because Roquan Smith was playing for Chicago for a big true. part of those things. True. And now we're dealing with a whole no Robert Quinn, no Roquan Smith definitely affects that defense, but they still played true. up to snuff against Green Bay, but that might have been Green Bay too. True. And I think the secondary, though, as as I've was uh, beginning to say has gotten better over the, the last couple of weeks rookie Jaquan Brisker uh, out of Penn State shout out um, it's going to be hard for for a banged up on Ross St. Brown as the the lone weapon in that offense sans TJ Hawkinson we saw how tough it was for them on offense last week uh, it's crazy how much TJ opened up for them uh, on offense and and so I don't think they're going to be able to do a whole lot um, and the Bears look they just keep pounding with the with the running game whether it's uh, David Montgomery, whether it's Khalil Herbert, or whether it's Justin Fields. And I think Fields is going to have over a 100-plus yard game. Like you said, Vito, that would be a good prop as well. Well, the um, prop is over 59 and a half rushing yards. Oh, I'd hammer that. So um, I might take that, Jeff, as my prop. Ties an extra, but go ahead. Zach, did, Zach Parker did find the, uh, the tie, by the way. It's plus 7,500 for a tie. That seems low. That should be higher. That should be higher. I'm going. I'm moving my prop bet to this one. I love a tie. I think it will happen. Still, we'll do something else for that. To your point, shouldn't be a prop, but I'll hit the uh, the over fifty nine and a half for uh, Fields. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on here. Let's talk about. We got to speed up a little bit here. We're, we're, it's been a while since the three of us are together, so we're we're milking it for all it's worth. Uh, your boys, Vito, Denver, taking on the Tennessee Titans. Interesting line here, um, considering Tennessee just would have covered or didn't cover the spread, but at least was in uh, earshot of uh, Tennessee is a two and a half point favorite at home against the Denver Broncos. Um, this feels like a rat line. This feels like a Vegas knows something we don't know. I mean, look, I know even if it's Malik Willis and I know that Denver's defense is legit and is really, really good. Um, but still two and a half. Dude, that's that's a that's a low line for a team that just played uh, Kansas City into an overtime. And for this Denver team that I know we haven't had a chance to talk about it much, Vito, your boys stink. Russell that, Wilson's we, awful. We traded away a, ca- a defensive captain who knows the Bronco away and Bradley Chubb. I'm telling you what, you should hammer Tennessee in this game. And I will, too, because first of all, we can't stop the run. We're not great at it. Um, and. And second of all, our offense is getting so many three and outs that if you can establish one like Tennessee does in November, Tractor Cito, this is exactly the recipe that the Broncos hate. They're going to run on us. We're going to have a couple three and outs. Our defense is going to be exhausted, and they're going to be able to run on us the whole game. 
it's easy Tennessee call here. I feel the same way, which is why it's a rat line. It's one of those things where it just seems way too easy. Uh, but Denver's look, Denver for their to their credit has not been blown out this year. And we have Jacksonville. We we we. We, we end up getting the win in London and then we had a buy. And so it's a little different. Well, hopefully we can get some energy going here. Um, but I, you know, coming off a of buy is always good, but here's the thing. It's a new coach, new quarterback. What does a buy mean to them? How does that help them? I think it's going to help them for sure, but I don't know them. They're not experienced enough for me to say like, Oh, this coach is X, you know, nine and one off a of buy. That's not Nathaniel Hackett. He's new. So I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I would rather take Tennessee. I mean, they they yeah. lost. They lost by three. Lost by seven. Lost by one. Or sorry, lost by three. Won by seven. Won by one. And then lost by nine, which is the biggest loss they had this year, which is the Raiders game. And then it was lost by three. Lost by three. Lost by seven. Won by four. So like, it, it's just they haven't gotten blown out. And when they have won, it's almost always been. They've all been within. Uh, a touchdown. So it's kind of similar to Minnesota, but they just have five losses on their record as opposed to Minnesota's one loss. But I, yeah, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm hammering Tennessee. Scotty, where are you on this one? I'm, I'm on Tennessee too. This is the third week in the last four uh, weeks, eight uh, week, eight, third week in the last four that they've had a two and a half point uh, uh, spread in week eight. They, uh, they demolished the Colts. Um, and then in week nine, they had a two and a half point spread. Uh, as well, which they which they covered the spread against the Texans. So, uh, to me, those those are similar type teams to to what the Broncos have been rolling out so far. And then the big thing for me is is like you said, Vito on defense, they lose the guy with the green dot. So it's going to be tough sledding for them against uh, one of the best rushers in the league. Doesn't matter who's a quarterback uh, for uh, for Tennessee, as we've seen the last two weeks. They were competitive last week against a really good Chiefs defense. Uh, an improving Chiefs defense. Yeah. So I, I, I think Derrick Henry's going to have a good day, and and I'm with the Titans as well. Yeah, the strength of that Denver team is in the secondary, and then losing Bradley Chubb hurts. Now, Bradley Chubb's not the signal caller necessarily for Denver, but in terms of that uh, persona, he definitely was yeah, the captain. anchor. I mean, you have Justin Simmons there too, who's uh, him and Sertan are, are the back end of that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I watched enough Alex Singleton to know that when you go up against a good running back, he's not going to help you. And uh, Derrick Henry's going to have a field day. Uh, next up here, Jacksonville, Kansas City. Um, Kansas City's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite here. It, it feels like anytime they play a close game, they come out and kind of blow the, uh, the team out. Jacksonville is coming off of a big win. My lean here is Kansas City, but I'll leave it up to you guys to deliberate before I make my decision. Love these coaches. Love Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, but – you know, I, I, I don't know about you, Scotty, what I'm leaning towards here is KC. It's a nine and a half point <clears throat> spread. I like Jacksonville, but but this KC team is just, I think get, getting some of the receivers involved here is going to happen this week. Travis Kelsey getting back to form. Now, I, I do think that this is going to be closer than probably people think. But right now, my gut is telling me to lead towards KC. What about you? I am too. And it's just, it's, it's less football than, than it is numbers. I mean, first I, I came out and said last week that it, this is a no brainer, right? Uh, it was, it was chiefs and, and Titans on Sunday night and it was a 12 and a half point spread. And I was like, stop overthinking it. The chiefs are getting good. Uh, and you know, to, to the Titans credit, they played really well against a really good team uh, that's starting to heat up in the Kansas city chiefs. So I'm, I'm not going to take the bait again. I'm going to go Jacks. Wow. Okay. To cover. 
All right. So I'm on KC and, and he's on Jacksonville, but I, so I guess we didn't really sway either way, Jeff. So we, we got one in each direction. Where are you leading? Tie, tie break us. I think this is Kansas city. Um, I think Jacksonville had a, had Jacksonville is going to be one of those teams that wins a game, loses a couple, wins a game, loses a couple. Uh, and it's going to put them right there at that six to seven win mark, which is kind of where we thought they would be at by the end of the regular season. Uh, Kansas city is kind of the reverse, which is that they'll, lose a game or, or win close in a game and then pull off a couple of wins in a row and kind of reassert themselves. Jacksonville's secondary is definitely the weakness of that secondary. The offensive line from Kansas City, I think, will be able to handle Josh Allen uh, and, and some of the rushing guys that they have there on Jacksonville. Tra uh, Trayvon Walker has been pretty solid for them. He hasn't gotten a lot of buzz because he plays in Jacksonville, but in terms of a number one overall pick, has there ever been a less talked about number one overall pick than we've had in Trayvon Walker over the last couple, you know, this season? Like, seriously. There's just no attention towards him because part of that was like he wasn't the flashy name. He wasn't the guy who finished second in the Heisman like Aiden Hutchinson did last year. Well, who, but to that point, like how many times have you talked about Aiden Hutchinson all year? Once? Well, maybe twice? No, the, a lot the, now. The, I mean, the pick last week. Like, well, yeah. and he had, he had the three sack game early on in the season, but to, but it, he's at least the name that people like recognize. Trayvon Walker is still a name that not a people recognize. And um, I think again, Kansas City. This is this feels like a get right. This feels like a like a like a twenty point win, um, especially in Kansas City, Jacksonville. One in three on the road this season. Uh, I like Kansas City. I think Kansas three. City covers. No, they're one and three. Well, there will be two and three. Ah, there will be two and three. Well, I like Kansas City, and Scotty, you're <laughs> going to be wrong. Which also, you picked them to cover. So unless you're going to take the Jags outright, they're still going to. No, be, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Ex exactly. It's not a super exactly. dog situation. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, up next, <laughs> Cleveland at Miami. Miami three and a half point favorites. This is another one of those rat lines. Um, I'm not a believer in the Browns. I know they keep pulling out these weird games. It feels like one out of every three games, Cleveland pulls out kind of a weird win. Um, Miami's offense is good. The Browns secondary is not. Um, they played good against Cincinnati, but Cincinnati went into that game. It was a Monday night on Halloween, which I know sounds like kind of the stupid fan kind of argument, but look, weird shit fucking happens sometimes on Monday night football. I, I think that has more to do with Monday night football than it does with Halloween. But I will say this, uh, the Bengals were more of the problem. They kind of played into the Browns plan, which was like, hey, there's no Jamar Chase, but we're going to still run the same offense. And then we saw them change up last week and they hung how many points was it 42 points against was it the who would they play Falcons was that what it was who did Cincinnati play last week Carolina uh Carolina and yeah. and they hung up 42 on them and 20 35 in the first half so uh I think we're going to see more of the same from uh the, the the Browns this week in terms of they don't have the personnel to hang up against this Dolphins offense. This Dolphins offense is legit. It's it's really, really good. My argument, and Scotty and I talked about this on Tuesday, Vito, was the Dolphins' defense is the question. It's not the offense. This is a defense that Miami can go up against and you're not worried about. You're not worried about Jacoby Brissett running for 178 yards like Justin Fields. Um, and if they sell out against the run and you make Jacoby Brissett pass against you, uh, they're going to be in some trouble. I don't think they have the personnel to handle this Dolphins offense. Three and a half is way too low. Miami minus three and a half win of the week. That's a, that's my lock of the week if I was going to make a lock. But 100% Dolphins really? minus three and a half. Yeah, so I'm leaning that way because it feels like, again, they don't have the talent to match up. But the thing is, is that, again, this is getting to the point where we're in late in the season. 
running the ball matters. I think Miami wins and covers, but I think it could be close. I mean, the, Justin Fields torched them last week, right? Like it was, it was hard to, that's a different running situation though than lining up and playing against Nick Chubb. I do think that the Dolphins cover, but I, I, th- I was going back and forth on this. I think that this is a game that Cleveland could surprise folks with play close run. Well, I mean, you remember they had that, that Halloween game, you said, then a bye, and now they're playing, they're coming fresh off a bye. I do think the Dolphins win, but I do think it it's close. So you take Miami back- to cover though. I'm taking Miami to cover, but I think it's like literally by a point. Gotcha. Or by half the, a point. The running back that Derrick Henry said is the best in the NFL. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Yeah. And he's going to roll in this game. Uh, you can sell out against the run and he's still going to beat you. Okay. Nick Chubb to Hundo. Put it out in the universe. Uh, he's he's going to have a massive game. And then uh, on top of that, yeah, they don't have the talent to match up, uh, uh, particularly on offense, but Amari Cooper is going to have a big play here and there. Um, and Jacoby Brissett's going to have a big play here and there. I mean, you talk, you think Kevin Harlan just like ridiculously <laughs> spouting like, oh, what a magical play. Um, so I think, I think you're going to see some of that late in the game. It's going to be a question because look, now, now the, the Dolphins have all these weapons in the running game uh, after they have, had picked up Jeff Wilson. We saw his impact last week. Is that going to continue? It sort of has to uh, because we talk about the the stretch run here, the second half, and establishing the run. That's what wins playoff games. You're going to have to start working on that chemistry. And so I think that takes a little bit away from, from the explosiveness uh, of the wide receivers. We saw some of that out of Jalen Model last week. And, uh, and I think the, the Browns do just enough to cover the spread. The one other note I'll add here for a pro Brown or pro Dolphins argument is I think the Dolphins can smell blood in the water with all this Josh Allen news. And I think they realize that, Hey, they're in position to win this. Like a literal Dolphins or <laughs> no, that's what sharks do. Mi- Scotty. Oh, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, the Miami Dolphins, I think they can smell blood in the water. And remember they already have the win against Buffalo, right? They have that win already in their pocket and a win here puts them at seven and three and a loss from Buffalo, if they were to lose against Minnesota, which I think we all agree is possible, puts Buffalo at six and three. Uh, that puts them in first place in the division. And I think if Miami and look, Tyree Kill is playing on another level. Like he's playing on a planet that no one else is playing football on. He's having a better season so far than Cooper Cup did last year. And it's not even close. That's how insane Tyree without Kill is scoring touchdowns. Right like <laughs> that's the crazy he's, part. He may it's not all get yardage. A, he may not get a triple crown. But he completely, completely is slanting the field. Yeah, and that also opens up Jalen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's well on his way. And in 16 games, by the way, too, yeah. not just with the extra game. Within 16 games, he's on his way to have a 2,000-yard receiving season, which would make him the first wide receiver ever to have 2,000 yards uh, in a season in 16 games. So uh, Tyreek Hill, Miami, they're rolling. They smell the blood in the water. I love Mike McDaniel, too. I, it's so annoying because it's like I'm – I, I had this stance on on Tua, which is not that I don't like Tua. It's just that I don't think Tua is why this team is good. I think it's Mike McDaniel. I think it's the weapons. And Tua is playing good football, which is allowing the offense to work. But because I'm on that Tua and I'm like anti-Tua-non, it's putting me on this like island that like I feel like I don't like Miami, but I love Mike McDaniel. I love watching Tyree Kill play. I love watching Jalen Waddle play. But because I was like not anti-Tua, but just a little bit off of Tua, I feel like now I have to root against them, but they're going to win this week. They're going to win comfortably. All right, next up, Texans, Giants. Uh, The Giants coming off of a bye week. 
going back to the whole look at the blind record thing, if you saw a six and two team playing a one six and one team, you would think that that spread would be double digits at least. But no, the New York Giants are a four and a half favorite uh, at home against the Texans, who played pretty good. I mean, obviously they were tied at half against Philly last time we saw them on Thursday Night Football last week. Um, but the Giants, four and a half point favorites in East Rutherford. How are we feeling on this one? Vito, we'll start with you. I'm going to take the Giants, man. Coming off a of bye, <clears throat> that always helps your run game. I feel like you rest up the line and the running back. Um, those attacking plays, right? The line, I, I, it was actually funny. I was golfing with an, an offensive, old offensive lineman last week. And it's like, so what's the big difference when you hear a run called and a pass call? He's like, dude, it's offense versus defense in our mind. Like offense is like, you get to go slam into somebody defense. You're protecting someone. Point is, I think the giants are going to come out and be attacking. And after they get some rest, I think they're going to be able to run the ball. Well, I'm going to take the giants to cover. I think this is another one of those lines that I don't get. And um, I know to your point, Texans look good, but coming off a bye, I'm taking the Giants. The the Giants still don't have anyone to throw to. Uh, I mean, Wandale Robinson is the best option, and I, I think he could have a good game. But the fact is that he's going to be the one covered by Derek Stingley. We saw how good that that secondary was against even the, the Eagles, who were a high-powered offense last yeah. Thursday night. Uh, look. They played above expectations against yes. that offense. AJ Brown had four catches for 59 yards. That is, but he also dominated. He had, he had all that in the first half, right? Um, and completely and, uh, owned them in the first half, right? And then the other part is that the the Texans, for for as good as their their secondary has played, overplayed. I think this year, uh, expectations at least their run defense is still pretty good, right? And so for the Giants who come out on by. Uh, yeah, you have Saquon, one of the best backs in the league, one of my uh, one of my all time favorite running backs. Uh, that's no secret to anyone. But I think it's going to be. I think the bye week came at a really inopportune time for the Giants, right when they started to catch momentum and 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 get on get on a win streak and and like things started clicking offensively and defensively. Uh, they 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 hit a bye week. And by the way, Xavier McKinney. Can we talk about that for a minute? The safety uh, who fell off an ATV in Mexico and broke his hand is going to be out for weeks. Uh, uh, and that was a huge cog in the, in the New York giants defense, especially on the back end. Um, so, so I, I, I'm going to take the Texans here. I think they have enough on offense. Their run defense has not been spectacular. Uh, Damian Pierce is due for another big game. And, uh, and I think the Texans get it done. Uh, I'm with you, Scotty. I'm going to, I'm, I'm with the Texans. I think this is going to be a, a, a close game. And I also think it's going to be higher scoring than people think. And that's why I'm taking this at 40 and a half to be my over of the week. Now, part of this is because I need a slump buster, right? Like I need to start picking. I need to change up my, my prop bet strategy here when we're doing this, because typically I'm picking a game that I think is going to go low and I take the under on it. This is a game that I think traditionally will go low and I've been wrong a lot. So I'm going to take the over 40 and a half is a low number. Both of these offenses were able to score. This is a total 150% slump buster move, and it's probably going to end up being like a 17 to 14 game. I'm going to look like an <laughs> idiot, but I'm taking this as my over because I'm with you. The Giants, Xavier McKinney, lose him. The Giants also sneakily, they're in the bottom five in the NFL in PFF when it comes to their defensive grade overall. They've played teams close, but their defensive rating has not actually been that great. And when they've been challenged, 
they've been pushed. Um, the Texans can run the ball really, really well. They can work some play action off of that. This feels like a weird Davis Mills game where it's like we're all out on Davis Mills at this point, and yet he's going to come back and have like two touchdowns and a pick and like 220 yards, and he's going to find a way to keep them in the game all the way down to the end. So I'm taking the Texans to cover, and I'm going to take the over 41 and a half. It's a total degenerate gambling move to pick the opposite of what you feel. Vito's flexing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. The Jets, baby. But like this is, you know what I mean though? It's like when you're in a slump. Yeah, I love this thing, Jeff. I think you're absolutely right. Everyone's thinking under. And it's a close line. You're like, man, I wouldn't bet the under because the line's go No, over. This thing's going to go crazy. I'm Everyone's, calling, someone's going to, they're both going to score in the 20s. It's going to be wild. Everybody's telling you this is an under, this is an under, this is a low scoring game, but it's going to end up being like 24 to 21 somehow because of weird Daniel Jones and Davis Mills turnovers. And and Saquon Barkley is going to break off a big run at some point. So I'm taking the over. I'm taking the Texans to cover. All right. One more game here in the one o'clock window on the East Coast time. We have the Saints and the Steelers, a.k.a. the Who Gives a Shit Bowl. Um, New Orleans is a one and a half point favorite on the road. Steelers coming off of a bye week. Uh, last time we saw the Steelers didn't look too good, which to me, Mike Tomlin is kind of in that Andy Reid school of like, hey, coming off of a bye you kind of want to bet the Steelers, but it's a one and a half point spread and the Saints are favored on the road. I didn't love what I saw out of the Saints on Monday Night Football. They got basically, if you watch the game, they got bullied by the, the Baltimore Ravens the whole time. I don't think the Steelers have that in their repertoire to be able to bully a team with that offensive line, even with Najee Harris, who you think is a perfect back for that. And at this point, it looks like Kenny Pickett is turning the ball over at a very, very high rate. Um, but there have been moments where that offense has looked at least decent. Uh, trade First time we'll see the Steelers after trading away Claypool. Um, I'm kind of split, but this is also essentially a pick em. If you take the Steelers, you're getting a point. That's pretty much all you're going to work with. How are we feeling here? Who do we think wins this game? I'm going with the Saints. Uh, um, you know, I like what's going on here in Pittsburgh. But for me, there's something about the Saints. When you talk about, you know, um, that – offense and the talent i mean the, listen we're all really just disappointed in the fact that michael thomas is just not oh, gonna play. whoa whoa like, whoa 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 i said this in july when we did our fantasy football rankings that i was hopeful do not put any stock in michael thomas because he will do nothing but he's the ex-boyfriend who will do nothing but disappoint you every time <sighs> you go back to him and it's been three years of this now and you're He's, so right, Jeff. And I didn't listen. You know why? I love the crazy. You know that. So like <laughs> I, Michael Thomas is my type, dude. This is a problem. So the thing with Michael Thomas is he's just insane. He's, he's doesn't show up when you need him. He's also and, done uh, for the year. Yeah. And that's what I mean. So without, without that, I, I do think uh, it's hard, State, but I'm please. still going with this team. I'm still going with the saints. And when you talk about actually um, quarterbacks, in the NFL, I pass through, like, it's actually crazy because Andy Dalton had a terrible, some terrible games, but he seems to be performing well. Yeah, he you know? does. And, and then what's, what's, what, what's funny is I feel the exact same way. Like I just, the eye test with Dalton, like he's got more zip on the ball than I feel like I've seen in a while. I yeah. know they got bullied in that game against Baltimore, but the Steelers are nowhere close to that level of team. Mm -hmm. um, I'm with you, Vito. I'm taking the saints here and I don't like it. I'm rooting for the Steelers because the Eagles still have the first round pick of the saints, but the saints are not a terrible football team. And the defense has showed out in times when we haven't been expecting it. And I think this is another example of, hey, 
You just got bullied. They're going to show up against an inferior team. I think it's still going to be a relatively close game, but I do think the Saints find a way to get the job done. Now, I, I that sounds great too because Andy Dalton's five and twenty in prime time. So I'm going to chalk a lot of that up to uh, to to the, the fact Kirk that Cousins. Andy Dalton was he was Kirk Cousins playing before in Kirk Cousins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a get a real job, Kirk Cousins. The Red Rifles where it's at. He was the first one there. Uh, carve out your own territory. That's 130, I guess, for Kirk Cousins. Anyway, the uh, the Steelers coming off a bye. Mike Tomlin uh, looking for uh, a way to preserve the streak of uh, of staying at or above 500. And I think they get it done here in this one. I'm not uh, it, totally impressed with the with the Saints defense. Lamar Jackson in the run game without a, a ton of of weapons in the passing game made that defense look silly last week uh, in in the Monday night game. And and I think. Pittsburgh is in sort of a similar situation where they gave away one of their weapons. They're going to have to rely on Deontay Johnson a lot out of the pass game. George Pickens, who is is a rookie, and uh, and we all know how well rookies play coming off of a bye. That's pretty well documented. So I expect to see some of that uh, in the passing game. And then Najee Harris, not you know, not performing as well as he he did last year. Uh, to be sure, a lot of that's due to injury. But they got Jalen Warren, who's a very very serviceable backup. That's a guy I'm targeting and in uh, a lot of fantasy leagues as well as, as a, as a pick and stash. I think he's going to have uh, a, a good, a good chunk out of, out of this running games offense and, uh, and Kenny Pickett, you know, this is a, a time for him to grow. So I'm going to take the Steelers because of the situation uh, that, uh, that New Orleans and their defense find themselves in for the second straight week, which is uh, another AFC North team with uh, beleaguered and injured weapons that uh, is looking for a win. All right. Uh, that'll do it for our one o'clock games. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. We've got a few more games to wrap up in the NFL and uh, our college picks for the week on the other side. All right. Next up, let's talk uh, one 405 game, two 425 games. And then we have Sunday night, Monday night. Up first, Colts Raiders, the debut of Jeff Saturday as a head coach. Now, I got to say, Scott, Sunday. You, sorry, on Sunday. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you and I were both more optimistic than the because this all broke right as we were recording on Monday. Um, so I didn't really get a chance to see what other people were saying. But you and I were both optimistic and hoped the best, whereas a lot of other people took it a bunch of different reasons, a diff- yeah. bunch of different ways. The Rooney rule, which obviously is a valid argument, a bunch of different things. But well, you you recall that I said bring the bring the whole band back together from the old Colts. Bring Marshall yeah. Falk as a running back uh, coach. Uh, get Reggie, Reggie Wayne, Wayne as your wide there. receivers coach. He's already there, yeah. so you know your, you got your OC, uh, Peyton so, Manning. How about that? There's there's a bunch there to to be interested about. It's a weird situation. Um, I don't know how anybody doesn't bet on the Colts just because of this. It's one of those things where it's like, of course it's not going to go well, but but what if it does? You know, that's the gamblers. Uh, the gambler's fallacy kind of playing it. It's like, yeah, but like everyone else is going to bet on the Raiders. Well, the Raiders are five point <laughs> well, favorites after looking like shit the last two weeks and the Colts. Um, I'll tell you what, the Colts haven't looked good either, but I would, if, if Frank Reich's the head coach of the Raiders, this isn't a five point spread. I'll tell you that much at least. So where are we feeling right now? Jeff Saturday inaugural debut first as field Yates put it, he thinks the first head coach in NFL history did not have any NFL or college coaching experience. You know, so I heard there's a great, and I'm going to take an old journey here. It won't be too long here because it's an important one though. There was a talk about 
Bill Belichick with Chris Collinsworth at the NFL 100 debut. They made an NFL 100 team, the 100 best players of all time in the 100 years of the NFL. What ended up happening is they were talking about Peyton Manning and how in practice, Chris Collinsworth, because of his you know Sunday night football, he can go and watch practice. He went and watched Peyton Manning. He said Peyton Manning leads him through a jog through practice, then does calisthenics, then leads him through full pace practice, and that's it. And said there was never a coach involved. On the, on the offensive side, no offensive coach. Tom Ward was not speaking during practice. And, like, he'd make some like comments to players on the side or whatever, but, like, Peyton ran practice. He said Jeff Saturday was integral in that. And the point is, I think Jeff Saturday is going to run practice and everything through his players. I think it's going to be different. I think this is like, you know, something lower we see about Dan Campbell and how he interacts and how, you know, this is a player focused league, almost like the NBA. NBA is a little ahead of the NFL in that regard, it feels like. But the point is that I feel like he knows how to run that from what Peyton did and from what he's doing. It's going to be completely unique. I think it'll be very different than what a lot of players have done. It'll be different for this team, but I love it. And I do think it's going to make an immediate impact. And I think, what was the spread you said? Right now, Vegas is a five-point favorite. I'm going to have them covering. I'm going to have Indy covering because I think it's going to jolt them. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're going to turn that team around by the end of the year. Vito, I want to be with you so bad, man, because like the just the whole rationale, like I went into this and I, I alluded to it just now, like just bring the whole gang back together from the 98 Colts. Like, why not? Uh, but like that worked because you had someone good at the top uh, in, in the offensive coordinator who who did a, a, a good enough job, an astute job as a manager that he could just let his guys go out there and do that. The Colts right now don't have that kind of continuity or that kind of talent uh, on offense. Sam Ellinger, at quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, even in the second year, he's banged up. He might not even play. Deion Jackson's his backup, banged up, might not even play. They got Zach Moss, who they just got in a trade. Michael Pittman Jr. is in his second year. So it, there's a whole lot. Like, I love that take. I love it, and, and I would love it if it were applied to, like, uh, uh, a team like uh, – like the Giants, even for example, um, but I don't think that works in in, in this system. I think Saturday is going to have uh, uh, a handful with. Uh, at the end of the day, you got to go X's and O's, right? He's going to have a handful with Devonte Adams uh, at receiver on defense. Uh, his offense, if Jonathan Taylor is out, which would be a fourth consecutive game, is not going to look very good as it didn't last week. And so I'm going to I'm going to reluctantly. I mean, the Raiders. Uh, like they could be up by 17 and I, and I still wouldn't feel good because we, we know their history of blowing those games uh, this season. And it sort of feels like it could be one of those. Uh, but I think they're, they're good enough to cover the five. I, this is why Vito and I are losing to you, Scotty, because I'm a hundred percent with Vito here. I'm buying, I'm, I'm just, I want to, I want to be so bad. This is, you know what this is? This is a one in a, a one in a lifetime type opportunity for a gambler to win on a bet that there's probably never going to be a second opportunity to do. Hence the once in a lifetime. This is an opportunity to bet on a coach who has zero experience in the NFL, zero zero experience coaching in the NFL, zero experience coaching in college to come in straight from ESPN and Aaron Boone this shit like we talked about and the only 
comp we could ever come up with is Aaron Boone immediately leaving ESPN and becoming the manager of the Yankees without having ever been a manager before. And I'll tell you what I did. The most important aspect of all of this, if I'm even trying to rationalize this immediately stupid decision that I'm going to do by picking the Colts here, um, I wanted to hear what the players said. And the players' quotes will speak a lot about how they feel about this. And I have a pretty good bullshit detector hearing a lot of bullshit quotes from coaches and players over the years. The media, you know, the shit the media trained players have to go through at Alabama and LSU and all the big time colleges. Um, from Zaire Franklin, starting linebacker for the Colts, we can't run, we can't run from whatever narratives are being said. We're not going to treat it like the elephant in the room. We're going to be men and acknowledge it. And I think he did a great job at that. Ryan Kelly, the starting center for the Indianapolis Colts. He addressed it in the right way. He didn't just come in and demand respect. He did it the right way. That comes with the territory of being in this league for a long time. You know that we can easily smell out bullshit, and he did a great job. Wow. What does that mean? (laughs) what, What it means is that he didn't give just a fluff answer which he easily could have done. Ryan Kelly could have easily said, look, he's a longtime vet. He has a ton of experience. You know, we're going to follow him. All the same normal word vomit that players have when they don't want to actually say the truth because they know that it'll get picked up by media. What he said there is actually like true, right? And I loved what he said in his uh, press conference, like, I don't know if you saw the clip that's been going around Twitter. It's about 40 seconds. Um, but Jeff Saturday was like, look, like, it's me. He, he leads men, bro. <laughs> he did say that. He said, it's me, dude. I ain't going to change. I told him if I'm not authentic, bro, we got nowhere to go. But this is, it's who I am. I, I, I respect the way he's gone about it, if I'm being totally honest. And he's, he obviously is experienced in the media. He's experienced in the NFL. I don't think this is going to work out long-term. But what I will say is I'm 100% betting him to cover the spread this week against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, all right. And then, uh, Scotty, you're, plus the Raiders are terrible. Yeah, like, they are, I, but they got like, Devontae Adams. Yeah, well, Devontae Adams may not even play this week, so we'll see. Uh, Cowboys-Packers, 425. Packers, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. This line is way too long. Packers offense, I hate to say it, is good with Dak. It's much more consistent. The deep threat, the explosiveness is higher than it was. It basically just took the Cooper Rush offense with the Cowboys and made it just a little bit more explosive. The bye week gives a little bit more time for that finger to to heal up for Dak. The defense we know is fucking good. The Packers are not going to be able to score anything against this offense. Uh, Cowboys all the way minus five and a half. I'm on the same boat. The exact same reasons until – Aaron, this is the first year that like you were talking about with Tom Brady. It's the first year of like betting against Aaron Rodgers, feeling comfortable, same kind of deal, but Dallas, Michael Parsons, that defense, that rush, the way, uh, you know, Aaron hasn't really dealt with it great this year. I'm going to go with Dallas to cover. Yeah. Rodgers coming off his highest passing total this season at 291 yards. But again, we talked about it on Tuesday. He, the throws that he missed, including the three interceptions just did not look right. And I think the pack of the uh, Cowboys defense is going to make that uh, look even worse uh, with Michael Parsons coming off the edge, among others, Trayvon Diggs, uh, obviously in the secondary, who's having another solid year. So I'm, I'm going to ride with the Cowboys as well. 
All right, and that brings us to Cardinals Rams. And despite the fact that the Rams looked like absolute dog shit on Sunday, they are a one and a half point favorite against the Cardinals, who consistently look like absolute dog shit. Um, I'm going to say this now. I hate this game. I hate picking this game. I want nothing to do with this game. And I will not be touching it on my Sunday slate. However, we have to pick it here. Uh, I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals. I don't like it. I don't want wow. to. Um, but this Rams offense, Matt Stafford out two days in a row in practice. There's something not right. He has he overthrew four deep balls on Sunday alone against Tampa Bay. Very limited accuracy. It's either going to be short passes or trying to take a deep shot, and he has no accuracy on the deep shot. Cooper Cup's going to break off at least one play. The Cardinals' offense is good enough that they'll at least be able to put up enough points. I think the Cardinals win this game, uh, but I think it's going to be a, a borderline unwatchable game. But, hey, it's football. Remember, we would pay obscene amounts of money for all of us individually to be able to watch this game in the spring. I'm taking the Cardinals. It's very true. Um, what was that spread at? LA minus one and a half. One and a half. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know if it was one. Okay. So the one and a half spread makes it, you know, one of those games where um, you're just, you're just basically betting on who's going to win. It's almost pick them, right? It's right there. There's really rare games that are one point games. But the point of this is, I do think that the uncertainty at quarterback at the Rams is really concerning. The team hasn't performed well in general. I think it might simplify things. I think it might, it'll be good, but Matt Stafford is good at distributing the ball. He just is. He's really, really good. So I don't think they're going up from there. I'm going to take the Cardinals as well. And I think it's more because of the explosive playmaking ability still is on the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. And without Stafford, you're going to have less of that impact to cup. I think Cooper Cup's due for a big game. Um, he had a good one last week. I think it was 129, 127, 129 yards. Um, How'd that work out for of, them? Uh, yeah, but that was Tom Brady. Effect, but, how, though, and, man. And, but how much of that game also was our of Cooper Cup's individual game was from one play? 70% of that total? Uh, yeah. He had a, a, was it 69 yard touchdown catch? Uh, nice. And run. Nice. Uh, but look, it comes down to numbers. Still, I didn't see anything different in the uh, in the Cardinals' offense since D Hop's been back. It's still been the the chicken with the head cut off thing, and they're still at the mercy of of losing their head coach with the next big loss. And I think it's going to come this week against a, a divisional opponent who they have a terrible record against. The favorite in this matchup is 10-2 and one against the spread in the last thirteen meetings. They play each other twice a year, so that's that's a pretty dominant stretch. Uh, and the Rams are favored here. Cardinals are one, four and one in their last six meetings in Los Angeles. And the road team in this game is, is, is not good as well. So uh, I'm going to take the Rams. No. And, and look, I, I, it does make sense to me. This is just two of the more dysfunctional teams in the NFL this season. Sure. Um, I think the retirement stuff that McVay and Aaron Donald both flew it, like floated out there last year. I mean, look, when you get paid as much money as they both did to come back, it's easy. I think this is the last year that we see Sean McVay as the head coach of the Rams. Um, I think he's ditching after this. I think Aaron Donald retires after this year, and I think both of them leave. Aaron, All of Aaron Donald's productivity numbers have dropped this year, um, and I know that a decent part of that has to do with him getting double teamed, but what did we always say about Aaron Donald? Didn't matter if he got double teamed. 
So the fact that his numbers are getting dropped as much as he's getting double teamed, despite he always put up big numbers while being double teamed, means he's not having the same effect that he has had in years past. And again, if you're going to line him up one-on-one every single snap in a game, he's going to be a game wrecker. He's going to fuck you up. The teams are smart enough to know that, hey, we're actually getting a little bit of an advantage. Whether or not the Cardinals are smart enough to do that is a different story. But I th- this, this Rams offense is bad. Two straight days, no Matt Stafford in practice. When we heard right before the season, his elbow's out. I'm worried about this Rams team. I think this is going to start going south very quickly. Um, let's Ooh. move to <laughs> – hey, they still got their title though, Scotty. You let me know when your team wins a title, and then you can talk. Uh, uh, Chargers, we'll talk in the offseason. Chargers, speaking of Niners, Chargers are playing the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. This is an awesome game. Again, in this whole why the NFL has been so weird this year, if you look at the records and then look at the spread – Right now, the four and four team is a seven point favorite against the five and three team. And that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And yet here we are, but we know everything else. Niners coming off of a bye, Chargers coming off of a hard fought win against the Falcons. I guess the point of this game to me is that this feels like I know McCaffrey had a big game before, but they got two weeks of install now, uh, including that bye week, which feels like this is going to be and Debo, and Debo gets coming back. Yeah, this feels like it's going to be the Debo and Christian McCaffrey show. Uh, seven points feels about right. The Niners get healthy on defense, um, though. I saw something. Uh, one of your starting cornerbacks tore his ACL at practice this week, correct? Yeah, today. Yeah, that's right. Yep, it was so today. That's going to hurt. But the Chargers don't know if Keenan Allen's playing. Don't know if Mike Williams playing. If Josh Palmer's the number one receiving option against the 49ers, that looks a lot different than being the number one receiving option against the Falcons. Uh, I love the Niners minus seven here. I feel like this is going to be a, a blowout. We haven't had a blowout Sunday night game in a while. I feel like this is going to be a blowout Sunday night game. I love the Niners. And I like the Niners too, but that's a lot of points. I, I, I'm still going to take them. Oh, man. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just getting McCaffrey and Ayuk involved enough. Like I think this is going to be enough for them. I also think on, on the opposite side of the ball there, um, when you're looking at what the Chargers really have, like Eckler's done well, but I do like, you know, Ward um, covering Allen and in, in that matchup. I think actually, you know, again, that San Francisco defense is pretty damn good. And uh, Bosa's having a hell of a year. So it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's the the weaknesses uh, is, of course, in the secondary. Jason Verrett, as as you alluded to, Jeff, out with, uh, he tore his Achilles, or uh, tore his uh, ACL, I believe, today. Uh, in practice, that's a huge loss. Jason Verrett's one of our best cornerbacks, but the the fact of the matter is that what have we talked about the last couple of weeks? Justin Herbert getting the ball out quick because his offensive line hasn't been able to protect him. We saw a lot of that in the in the game last week. Uh, Josh Palmer, to his credit, still had 106 yards uh, yeah. receiving on uh, on like 12 catches or something ridiculous like that. So don't I know it? We we yeah yeah fantasy yeah exactly you do, uh, but. So it's it's going to be easy enough to key on that, and then on on top of that, like the the Falcons Astros defense is not nearly as good as it is as the 49ers. So um, I expect us to get after the quarterback to uh, the 49ers, and I love the idea of having 
another week of bye and and getting healthy for the offense with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Plus, you get running back depth back. Eli Mitchell is supposed to come off IR, uh, so that's huge as well. So I'm gonna and Kyle Juszczyk too coming off uh, of injury as well coming back this week. The big uh, the big fullback, the Juice out of Harvard coming back. Uh, I'm gonna take the 49ers too. All right. Everyone's on San Francisco, and that leaves us with the Monday Night Football game. Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Washington Football Commanders. Uh, that should be the name, the WFC, the Washington Football Commanders, um, because that sounds better than the Washington Commanders or the Washington football team. Uh, yet another off-the-field issue today as the Attorney General of Washington, D.C. Uh, put up a, uh, a lawsuit against not only Dan Snyder and not only the Washington football club, but Roger Goodell as well, which is a fascinating off the field story that we will continue to monitor um, for uh, what was it deliberately uh, trying to con- uh, deliberately deceiving the people of Washington, D.C. about the return of the football team to Washington, D.C., um, it, look, it's going to get messy. It's going to get ugly, and we need to hear more about it. This story broke just a couple weeks ago. Vito, I know you had some uh, hot uh, – you were hot on this issue. You missed our Dan Snyder dancing on Dan Snyder's grave episode a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to give you the opportunity to do so as well here. Go uh, go off, King. Well, this is insane, right? Like, we have a an attorney general of D.C. just suing that. Like, this is wild, the fact that, like – the government basically is suing this organization as the NFL for investigating this stuff, basically not telling everyone about it and being like, ah, whatever. Like this toxic workplace is kind of the quote that they have in there. Wild. I just think that at the end of the day, you're talking about billionaires and a front man for billionaires uh, being sued by the government. It's just a, it's going to be a nuts story to follow. I think that at the end of the day, everyone knows that Dan Snyder is a piece of shit and shouldn't own this team. And I'm, I'm like, it's funny that this was brought on right after he's announced that he's leaving. Like, I wonder if he tried to do that and sell the team quick to avoid this. There's a lot going into what's happening right now. And uh, man, as a person who hates Dan Snyder, I am so excited to see what happens to him. I would love for that guy to crash and burn. would love for those fans to get a new owner, man. There's a lot of good fans up there. And, uh, you know, it would be fun, right, Scotty, in your backyard to have a team that actually had a sick owner. Uh, well, Washington fans are kind of loud and obnoxious, but yeah, I agree. That's what, uh, is that a good owner? They've been starving for it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, yeah. Look, man, this, this is crazy that uh, the levels it's gone to, not only in the NFL, um, not only at the criminal level, uh, which will it undoubtedly happen once Snyder does sell the team. The valuation is crazy, by the way. Did you see the valuation on the team this week? No, I didn't they came see that. Out? It was something like seven billion dollars. It was wild, and that's and um, that's with the I mean, so much of that has to do with the TV contracts and everything going up, plus the the DC the DMV area as a whole, plus you have all of the state of Virginia, um, basically down to Richmond, and then you'll start getting into some Carolina fans. But um, yeah, I mean that's it's a crazy crazy number. Uh, I mean, and look, I'm more than happy to dance on Dan Snyder's grave and we're going to have plenty of time. Um, the interesting tidbit I thought here was I, I had said, I thought by the off season, we would have it. And when the news first broke about Dan Snyder selling the team, a lot of people were saying, well, this is going to take years and it's going to get hung up in court. Um, 
I think part of the reason Dan Snyder is trying to sell the team as quickly as possible is because he needs the money and he needs it as soon as possible. Uh, and he knows that there's a timeline because there are multiple investigations going into him. And uh, look, I mean, I don't know how much research y'all have done into how Dan Snyder made his money, but it's about as unethical as, as it gets. Uh, yeah, basically interview for the guy to be his assistant. I got did? a whole story there. Well, I right she now, denied it. right, <laughs> right now I'm in, I am in close contact with the person who is Tanya Snyder's uh, personal assistant. Um, so I, I've sure you've heard the stories. I haven't, but I haven't bugged her about it. Um, and I obviously want to keep her, uh, identity as much of a secret as possible, but I am aware that she's had, uh, less than enjoyable last couple of weeks since all this stuff has kind of come out. So, uh, we're going to have plenty of time to dance on it, but the fact that it was announced that he's trying to get it sold within the year, um, I mean, we knew about the Broncos thing, well, about a year plus, if not two years in advance of, of them trying to start to move that team. For most of these organizations, those conversations start at least a year or two in advance. Um, Dan Snyder's in some trouble, and the rest of the NFL is enjoying it. However, the head coach of his football team right now is as good as anybody at getting his team to not buy into that stuff. Uh, Philadelphia is an 11 point favorite on Monday night football. It's in Philly. I'm taking the Washington commanders to cover the spread. Uh, wow. The Eagles, the Eagles are going to win this game. The Eagles are going to move the nine and zero. but we're getting to the point. This is the first time that Philly has played a team that they've already played this year. Uh, typically teams, the second time they play them do not perform nearly as well. Uh, the team that wins does not perform as nearly as well, uh, even in a blowout type scenario here. Uh, the Washington Commanders defense is a top 10 defense in the NFL uh, and uh, by PFF grades and by a lot of just general, like your basic statistic grades, you know, defensive rating, all that kind of stuff. Um, the Commanders are playing pretty decent football. Now, Taylor Heineke is going to make mistakes and Darius Slay and James Bradbury are going to take advantage of that. Uh, the defensive line is absolutely going to be able to get after Taylor Heineke, but they're going to make some plays. They're going to keep this game relatively close. It's a ton of points. And we're also getting to the point in the season two, when you have an undefeated team, they become the target. Every team wants to be the team that knocks off the undefeated team, right? It's part of that, you know, locker room fodder that everybody comes in there. It happened with the Steelers a couple of years ago, happened with the Cardinals last year, happens every single year in the NFL. And the Eagles right now have that target on their back, especially because the, re the reigning Super Bowl champions are duds and the Rams. So who's got the biggest target on their back? It's the Philadelphia Eagles. The Commanders are a divisional rival. It's a primetime game. And again, they have the biggest target on their back. I think it's going to be a, a closer game than people think. I still think the Eagles win by touchdown. The, the Commanders are going to cover, but the Eagles are going to move on to 9 up. I think it's an Eagles blowout. I think you're being conservative because you're a fan, but let me tell you what, what I'm seeing is that I picked the Eagles last week when they were 13 and a half point favorites on prime time against the Texans. All right. So Texans I'm not, are frisky. So, I'm not totally going against it, but the commanders are frisky too. I mean, the, the commanders could so easily be five and four right now. They could, but I think Heineke is not at the skill. Like your defense is too good for Heineke to fuck around with. And actually like, how dare points. you talk about the green lizard that way? <laughs> How dare you? He wants a pair of green, he wants a pair of midnight Scott. green Jordans, baby. He wants to add like, his collection. I'm literally telling the truth here that this secondary, these linebackers, this defensive line, 
listen, it's it's too much for for that commander's offense to handle. And on the flip side, I think you guys are going to exploit that defense. There are some weaknesses, at least in, in terms of the secondary. I think they can, you know, they played okay, but I think that that's where A.J. Brown's a difference maker. He can beat one, a one-on-one in this defense, and I think we'll see that taken advantage of one or two times for the Eagles to break out and win by by 10 points. He can, and and even if – you know, you think he couldn't. Devontae Smith is good enough to drag that safety help, which has been the strength of the commander's defense and their stretch run here to, to become one of the top de- 10 defenses in the NFL up from like week four when we were like, this defense is still not good. What are we doing? Uh, and so uh, I, I think there's that on on offense for the Eagles. On defense, Vito, you, you nailed it. I, it's going to be a ton of pass rush. I don't ever want to disparage the Green Lizard, but uh, but look, Taylor Heineke is going to have his hands full, man. That the looks that those defenses are going to give, and Josh Gannon doesn't have to get super, you know, like involved, super like uh, clever. It, it it you can run a straight defense against these guys and be fine. Where they're going to have to rely on AJ or uh, Antonio Gibson out of the backfield, right, as a pass catcher. That doesn't worry me when you have the linebacking core that you've got, uh, Terry McLaurin. Uh, on the edge and Curtis Samuel who who can burn people they're going to get shut down by the cornerbacks and, and the secondary of the Eagles I think uh, and so it's going to be reliant upon how can you establish the run if you're the Washington football uh, commanders and uh, if you can establish the run and I don't think you can so I think it's going to be uh, like you said Vito Eagles in a blowout I and plus on offense for the Eagles too even if all of that happens and, and they cover all the 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 receivers that they want Dallas Goddard had a hundred yard game last week. And the weakness of that, that Washington commanders defense is that linebacking core. So I expect the tight ends to have a, a, a big day. I, I'd go Grant Calcaterra, 20 plus yards receiving. Uh, I'll take the over on that this week. Uh, he would need, he would need some help there with Dallas Goddard and Jack Stoll getting knocked out, but Hey, you never know. Um, yeah. I look, I said all the same things last week against Houston. It's the NFL. Teams play out. The Eagles have a target on the back. They already played Washington once. Uh, they're going to – it's not going to be the deep – because remember, this game against Washington was that Devontae Smith game when Devontae had, you know, like nine catches for 165 yards and the two touchdowns. Uh, I think the Eagles are still going to win, but it's going to be different. It's going to be different. And every single team – is going to try to play these teams close moving out. And I don't think the Eagles end the season undefeated for that reason. There's a reason there's only been two teams to complete the regular season undefeated in the history of the NFL, because even the best teams of all time still have a slip up. I don't think it comes this week, but I do think the, the Eagles find a way to get by Washington, but 11 points is a lot from taking the commanders to at least cover. All right, let's take uh, let's, let's move on here to our college games. Cause that wraps up our NFL picks. We got five games this week, not quite the uh, the games that we had last week. Obviously, Georgia and Tennessee being the headliners. LSU-Bama was an awesome game, uh, but we do have some good games to pick here. We got five of them for you. Up first, UCF, number 22 in the country, taking on Tulane in Tulane. The UCF, uh, was it the Golden Knights, Black Knights? What are they? Uh, Golden Knights. The yeah. Golden Knights. They're taking on Tulane, the Green Wave, one of the best mascots in sports. Tulane, 17 in the country. They're one-and-a-half-point favorites. And I'll tell you right now, I'm riding the wave, baby. I love Tulane. I love this pick. This is a great thing for the American to have another team. And it's so big for them because they're losing Cincinnati. They're losing UCF. 
they need, and they're losing Houston too. They need another hallmark team and program to keep them alive. I'm keeping with the tradition of the ACC being the top ranked group of five conference. And we're taking two lane. I'm riding the green wave too, my friend. Uh, look, uh, Matt Pratt, uh, not, not a huge pat or Michael Pratt. I'm sorry. Their quarterback for Tulane, not a huge passer. They're big in the run game on Tulane uh, with uh, with uh, Tajay Spears is his name, uh, the running back there. Uh, this team is unbelievable against the spread. They're like 17 and five, I think, since 2020 uh, against the spread. They, they've been monsters against the spread this year. I think they have the best record in the country. They're going to continue that. And I think they went outright. Ride the green wave. Watch Vito. I guarantee you, Penn State's going to end up playing these guys in a bowl game. <laughs> Ooh, I like that call. Um, listen, I'm with, I'm riding the wave as well. First of all, it's one of the few mascots that doesn't have an S on it. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever done that, that trivia thing, but I oh, that's, a, that's that. a good bar question. Yeah. That's I love a great that bar one. question. You know, there's not too many mascots that don't end in an S they're one of them. Also the last time that they hosted a top 25 matchup was 1949. Wow. They were in the sec. They lost they were number 10. They lost to number 13 LSU. They used to be there. They used to be one of these SEC teams. And let me tell you what, they're going to come back and prove it this year. I have them winning this game. I have them going off this year. I'm so excited about the green wave and I definitely have them covering this. All right. Uh, moving on PAC 12 matchup, Oregon right now, the favorite out of the PAC 12, assuming TCU loses a game at some point to potentially crack the top four and end the drought for the Pac-12. They're hosting Washington. Uh, and what what is this one called? What's this matchup? It's not the Civil yeah. War. Is it the Civil War? No, the no, Civil War what... is Oregon-Oregon State. The Apple yeah. Cup is Washington-Washington State. I think this is just a straight-up rivalry. I don't know that it has a name. I think it I, I got to do some research let's, with let's my Oregon Let's get Zach family. Parker on this because I'm pretty yeah. sure that this one does have a name. I remember talking to, uh, to Brock Heward, who played quarterback at – um Oregon and uh and I, I gotta say look I, I really like this Oregon team and it's tough because no it is it's just the Oregon Washington football yeah. rivalry there's no name to this one which seems it's one of the most played rivalries it's yeah been played every year since um, 1900 crazy and it's it's two of the most underrated uh college football environments both uh, Washington and in Eugene um I really like this Oregon team, but it also just feels so Pac-12. It feels so Pac-12 for this to be the game that Washington covers, right? And I want to hope that the Pac-12 is different, but I know better than that. I'm taking the Huskies. The Huskies are finding a way. And look, the Huskies, I think, are a fraud top 25 team. I don't think they're that good, but the rivalry, it's in Oregon. The stadium's going to be nuts, and Washington's going to find a way to just – wiggle that knife just right into the heart of Oregon and it's going to kill. Now, look, they still have UCLA. They still have USC, but I think Oregon's playoff hopes died this weekend against Washington, or at least Washington finds a way to cover. I'm taking Washington to cover against the Oregon Ducks. Man, listen, there's one thing about Washington I love. And when you look at stats, you guys know, I always talk about third down and Washington has been killing it on third down offense, but I think they're converting over like 55%. It's insane, but I like Oregon better, baby. They're going to do it, Jeff. They're going to break the top four. They're going to go to the playoffs. I'm confident in this Oregon team. 
I, we, I hated Bo Nix at the beginning of the season. Somehow I love him right now. We Literally could both be right, by the way. Right? They could win by 10, and they could still have their playoff hopes arrive, and Washington can still cover. So I'm taking the points, and I just, I just, I, my gut feeling is that Washington's going to find a way to win this game. But I'm with you. Bo Nix versus Georgia versus Bo Nix, we've seen the rest of the season, seems like a completely different guy. But again, knowing Bo Nix up close and personal, like I did for those first three years of college, I know not to bet on that guy in a big game. <laughs> it's not a big game. Washington's not that good. Give me the Ducks. Mighty Oregon rolls on. They're quacking and quacking all the way there. Bo Nix uh, sneaking into the Heisman conversation, by the way. Almost 1,000 passing yards over the last three games, including a big win against a top 10 UCLA team at the time three weeks ago. Uh, Bo Nix is the real deal. Uh, and if you think he's going to crash in this big game, you're wrong. Uh, and, and this offense is going to erupt against Washington, who had a backdoor cover last week uh, against Oregon State. Do you know who uh, you and, know who Bo Nix is? Bo Nix is SEC and now Pac-12 Sean Clifford. Right when you think, I, well, right when you he's think, better. Right when you think, I don't. That's a got good you call. covered. He's gonna choke and he's gonna fucking bury you. But I think they do I get by Washington. I do think I do think they get by Washington. Oregon uh, thirteen and a half. Bo Nix throws for five touchdowns. Watch. All right, we'll see. All right, up next, Bama at Ole Miss. Bama coming off of their second loss of the season. Crazy to see Alabama ranked at number nine in the college football playoff rankings. They're better. They're a better team than that. It's two plays. It's the game winner against Tennessee, the, the kick that they lost, uh, and it's the two-point conversion against LSU. That is why Bama is currently number nine in the country. They are far superior than Ole Miss. Uh, I don't care about the Grove. I don't care about any of that shit. They're a bunch of fake frat stars anyway. Bama rolls despite the 12-point spread and wins comfortably against the Rebels. I'm with you 100%. Bama's going to roll and just go off. They're not going to take this lightly. Um, I don't think this team's going to fold under pressure of their coach and of the situation. They're going to emerge and be better for it. Yeah, they bounce back against a, a Mississippi State team who's – not as good as Ole Miss, but uh, after after Alabama lost to Tennessee, they took down Mississippi State, thirty to six. The defense showed up. Problem is, the defense didn't show up in that game against LSU. Uh, the they were allowed to uh, LSU was allowed to run the ball all over the place, and and, uh, and Jaden Daniels did, uh, who's a stud, did did his thing. But I don't think Jackson Dart is enough of a stud to uh, to get this done. I'm with uh, Alabama at twelve as well. All right, what's crazy is Ole Miss could still make the college football playoff. There's another uh, Penn State bowl game. Oh, wait, or who is who did they, No, because wait, no, their one loss came from LSU, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, so they would need at least one more LSU loss. But hey, yeah. they're they're about as alive as Alabama is. Um, yeah. The difference is LSU has is a, a, a 11 deep on both sides of the ball of guys who could play in the NFL. Ole Miss is about five deep on both sides of the ball, guys you can play in the NFL, and about six deep of guys who are going to be selling insurance in six months. So, uh, I, yeah, still wrong with Bama. Um, all right, we got two more games here. We're going to go up next to the trap game of the week, LSU 7-2 and two going up against Arkansas in Arkansas right now, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, LSU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Look, Brian Kelly – 
is doing something really, really special. You think back to that Florida State game with LSU in the beginning of the year. This is a completely different football team than it was then. Jaden Daniels finally fulfilling the prophecy that I wrote for him three-plus years ago uh, when he was a freshman, true freshman, starting at Arizona State with Herm Edwards, who I just saw Herm Edwards on SportsCenter doing NFL hits. So that's how quickly life comes at you, Herm. Herm. Um, but right now, LSU, look, I love this Arkansas team. They've had a tough year. They've lost a couple of close games, and their record, I do think they're better than the 5-4 and four record, but I do think this LSU team is uniquely special. It's a 12 o'clock game. I don't think Fayetteville is the place to go for a noon chaos kind of game. Go Tigers, minus three and a half. I love this LSU team, even though I don't like Brian Kelly. Go Tigers. You know, last week was the first time I was I was watching the game and I was talking to some friends and we're all looking at the game and I was like, man, at the end of that game, when Brian Kelly went yelling about the tip and then after that he went yelling about uh, or then he went for two and got it. I, I was like, man, this is the first game that like I watched Brian Kelly in, in my respect for him went up. It's always gone down. And this is the first time like, I just don't like the guy. I got to say, but last week was the first time I was like, man, I agree with what he's doing here. Like he knows overtime favors Bama. Like he, he is, I don't think he's a great person. I think he's a pretty damn good coach. And I think he's the right fit for what LSU needs right now. I'm going to take LSU. And I think that um, they do have something going. I don't think it's going to last very long at that program over years, but I do think he's what they need right now. And it's, it's working out a little bit, at least on the field. I said last week and the change for, uh, before I get into that, the change for Brian Kelly, by the way, is getting the hell out of South Bend, Indiana. Who the hell wants to be there going to Baton Rouge? At least the weather's warm. Uh, And so I said last week, LSU was ranked number 10 going into that game against Alabama. I didn't believe they deserved that 10 ranking, and the college football committee agreed with me after upsetting Alabama last week in overtime. Uh, LSU does not crack the top five. So, uh, look, well, I, don't, I don't think – it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm so beyond that, and you should know that as a guy who had a team that won the conference championship with two losses and deserved to be in the playoff. But that aside, I don't think this LSU team is good enough uh, or is as good as their uh, as their ranking keeps showing. Uh, and on top of that, if you look at the numbers, uh, the Tigers are two and five in their last seven meetings in Arkansas in Fayetteville, and they're four ten and one in the last fifteen meetings against the Razorbacks. Woo pig. Sue baby. Arkansas is going to cover this game. All right. There we have it. And we got one more game here. What I think will be the game of the week. And I'm excited to hear both of y'all's opinions on this one. TCU making their first appearance in the top four, I believe ever. Cause the year with Gary Patterson, they floated around five and six. I don't think they actually yeah. got a chance in there. The year that Baylor and uh, and it was early, and I think it might have been year one or year two in the college football playoff. Uh, but right now we have TCU at Texas. Texas, a seven-point favorite. Two weeks ago, Texas was a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Bedlam – or uh, sorry, not in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State covered that spread comfortably. And, uh, and then last week they were uh, favorites on the road against Kansas State. They won that game. This is a – Program-defining win. I said it last week. Hey, you beat Kansas State. The legitimacy sticks. I think Kansas or I think Texas is legitimate now, but this is one that sends them to another tier 
uh, if they're able to knock off the number four team in the country. At some point, I do feel like TCU is going to drop a game. It might be this week, but it's going to be too close. There's no way in hell Texas covers this game by seven points. I'm taking TCU to cover the spread against minus seven, but I do think Texas could very easily win this game. I expect it to be close. I think it's going to be the game of the week. I'm taking TCU to cover, and we'll see where the chips fall in terms of who wins that game outright. Uh, Texas defensively is uh, for as good as, as they've looked in some of this stretch, uh, not great by, by a, a ton of metrics. And I think this is one of those games they get tested against Sonny Dykes offense uh, at TCU, which has been at times explosive against some really good uh, teams there in the big 12. Um, the Texas is back thing, but Quinn Ewers is great. Uh, and, and I think they're, they're, like I said a couple of weeks ago, and I've, I'll continue to say it, they're a step away. Uh, I don't think they're there yet. Having said that, you know, they lose one more game. They've got three losses on the year. So every game is a must-win game from Texas' standpoint. Uh, and for TCU uh, as well, a lot more on the table having uh, entered the top four in the college football rankings. But I'm going to take the Frogs in this game. Uh just, I, I think, I think this run is is something that uh, is both unprecedented and uh, and and special to watch. And I think uh, it, it even supersedes sort of in many ways a lot of the the things that Gary Patterson did. Horn Frogs are four and one in their last five meetings in Austin. I'm going to go with TCU. All right, Vito, last pick of the week comes to you. Who are we taking? TCU plus seven or Texas minus seven? I'm taking the Horn Frogs, man. I'm taking the Horn Frogs, and I'm running with this. I think they're they're definitely gonna, you know, do well here. I, I know it's kind of a Cinderella season, but like this is awesome to watch. I'm really excited about them. It's a small campus. It's kind of an underdog place in Texas in general, um, and it's not underdog in terms of you know it's pretty expensive to go there. But the point is that it's small campus. It's small school, right? They came on when we were younger. There's something magical about them. I'm taking the Horn Frogs with the points and running. All right, and that will do it for the Read Option Podcast this week. Once again, presented by Alliance Accounting. Uh, with you every step of the way, shout out to Omar and everyone else. Go check out Alliance Accounting uh, at Alliance Accounting uh, at Alliance underscore accounting on Instagram at AllianceACCTNG.com to get everything else from them. Uh, thank for the boys. So great having all of us back together. It's been it's been, it's been like a month and a half since everyone was together. So tons of fun. Thank you all for listening. We love you. We will be back on Tuesday to recap the madness. And uh, I can't wait to get back. So everyone have a wonderful weekend. As I always say, hope your bets hit. Hope you drink some beer. Hope you eat some good food. And we'll be back on Tuesday. And as always, take it easy, everybody. <laughs>